This is episode 101 with Don Tapscott. Welcome to the first episode of Transform Talks, the only podcast that cuts through the hype and noise on supply chain transformation. I'm Maria Villablanca, the CEO and co-founder of the Future Insights Network and your host. Join me as I investigate the stories and topics that really matter to you. Blockchain has received quite a lot of attention, especially over the past few years, yet not all supply chains are making the most of what it can offer. My guest today is Don Tapscott, who is one of the world's leading authorities on the impact of technology on business and society. He was recognized as the second most influential management thinker by Thinkers50 in 2017, joining the late Clay Christensen, Michael Porter, and Peter Drucker in the Thinkers50 Hall of Fame. He's a best-selling author and has published 16 books, including Wikonomics, How Mass Collaboration Changes Everything, which has been translated to over 25 languages, and Supply Chain Revolution, How Blockchain Technology is Transforming the Digital Flow of Assets. The potential for how game-changing blockchain can be for the supply chain industry really fascinates me. In this episode, we talk about how blockchain works, what problems it can help to solve, which companies are reaping the benefits right now, and ultimately, how blockchain will revolutionize global supply chains. Uh, Don, thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. Happy to be here, as it were. So uh, why don't you maybe tell us a little bit about what you've been doing recently, what you've been up to? Well, the, the, um, the long view is that I began uh, researching the impact of uh, multifunction workstations connected to a vast network of networks uh, in the 1970s when I was working, uh, working at Canada's Bell Labs, uh, Bell Northern Research. And I wrote a couple of books on that experience in the 1980s. Um, that uh, nobody read. I think my mother bought most of the copies. But I started writing uh, bestsellers in the early 90s. Paradigm Shift It's obviously a big book. And then um, The Digital Economy, they say, was the first uh, bestseller about the web and business. And I've created, uh, back then, I created a think tank, which continues today, um, where companies pay um, between, over the years, spent 100000 to $400,000 each, and then we have millions of dollars, and we do the definitive investigation into something. So we've done over a dozen, dozen of these. Uh, we looked at the internet, uh, we uh, looked at the web, social media, uh, transparency is a new force, transformation of government. And when I uh, co-authored the book uh, with my son Alex, Blockchain Revolution, five years ago, we launched a program and actually created an institute based on it. And it's called the Blockchain Research Institute uh, org. And uh, we have about 90 companies. Uh, they tend to be very large companies and governments that are funding this effort. And we're doing 120 projects about the impact of, of blockchain in business mainly, but also in government and society. Well, I guess let's let's talk about blockchain. I mean, there seems to be a real lack of understanding of what blockchain is, how it works, how it's related to cryptocurrencies, and what it's managed to take. But but at the same time, it's still managed to take the world by storm, hasn't it? Um, can, can you talk to us a little bit about or walk us through what blockchain is and how it works? Well, just to reflect back on that period, uh, over the last forty years, we've had a first era of the digital age. Mm -hmm. uh, mainframes, mini computers, and supply chain experts who know about this. Um, PC, the internet, the web, 
uh, the mobile web, social media, the cloud, uh, big data. And now we have this new generation of technologies that um, is very different. Um, it, first of all, it's technology is infusing itself into the physical world where, where we have billions and trillions of inert objects that become smart communicating devices. And they not only communicate, they'll be doing transactions. Um, we have technology that learns to do things that it wasn't programmed to learn and all kinds of offshoots from that, you know, uh, um, autonomous vehicles, uh, robots, um, mm -hmm. uh, virtual worlds and so on. And, and I came to the conclusion um, a number of years ago that the foundational technology, for the operating system for this new era would in fact be uh, the underlying technology of cryptocurrencies or blockchain. And the reason is that the, the way we think about this is that it's the second era of the internet, that for 40 years we've had an internet of information. Uh, mm -hmm. But if I send you some information, um, you know, uh, this podcast, a copy of this podcast, um, uh, I'm actually not sending you the information, I'm sending you a copy. And that's great for information, but when it comes to assets, things of value that belong to somebody, things like uh, money, or stocks or bonds or other securities or or deeds or contracts or the data in our identities or intellectual property, even cultural assets like art or music or a vote. A vote is an asset, something of value that belongs to somebody. When it comes to these things, copying them is not a good idea. So you don't want someone copying your identity or your vote. And if I send you $1,000 as a payment, it's really important that I don't still have the money, right? Mm -hmm. So cryptographers have called this the double spend problem for a long time. And the way that we manage this problem in our economy, in our businesses, in our supply chains, in our, in, in, in our society is through intermediaries. You have banks and uh, uh, credit card companies and stock exchanges and transfer agents and, and brokers and uh, dealers and now social media companies and they perform all of the business and transaction logic for every type of commerce. They identify the asset, that's a dollar or that's a contract or, or a stock or something. They clear and set, uh, they also identify the individuals. You are who you are. This is the organization. Uh, they clear and settle transactions. Um, they keep records. And overall, they've done a pretty good job, but there are growing problems. Um, and all these systems are based on centralized computer servers that can be hacked. There are two mm -hmm. types, those that have been hacked and those that will be hacked. He cracked or she, the double spend problem. And mm -hmm. now Bitcoin was just the beginning, of course. And, uh, but it's the underlying technology of Bitcoin. And now there are new, uh, more um, advanced methods um, than the one used by Bitcoin to achieve consensus on the network. But the reason that this is extraordinary is because for the first time in human history, people can do transactions on a global mass scale, peer to peer. And trust is not achieved by an intermediary. It's achieved by cryptography, by collaboration, and, and by some clever code, which is why we call it the trust protocol. So I become, I've been studying this a long time. I've become convinced that this is a really big deal. And it's probably bigger than the internet of information. Why do you think there's so much um, confusion around it? 
Uh, well, that's a very good question. There was confusion around the internet, mm. per se. Okay. And there was a lot of hostility towards it, actually. It's not secure. It takes too long. It's full of porn. Uh, it's used mm. by criminals, which is, was true. Um, criminals are always the first to adopt exciting new technology. But the, but the Internet of Information didn't poke at the heart of our systems, at the deep structure and architecture of the corporation, the way our supply chains work, on the nature of entire industries like financial services that have a whole mm -hmm. structure and regulatory bodies and laws and, and ways of behavior and people and systems that encode all of this. With blockchain, you're poking at, at the commanding heights of, of our economy and it's a very disruptive thing. And when you get a new paradigm like this, now I said this 30 years ago, um, that these things cause dislocation and confusion. Yeah, uh, They're nearly always received with coolness or worse, mockery, hostility, uh, vested interests fight against change and leaders of old paradigms have great difficulty embracing the new. So a lot of it is, understandable confusion because it's just such right. a big deal and a lot of it is overt hostility from the people have had, uh, who have vested interests in maintaining status quo so i know that a lot of the supply chain leaders we speak with are um i guess uh, having their heads turned by uh typical uh, new technology advancements like ai machine learning um they get all the attention right so but can you tell us what the value you see, maybe go into a little bit more detail, the value that blockchain can bring to supply chain organizations specifically. Well, to me, this is one of the biggest transformations that's underway. And um, it's the title of my new book, The Supply <laughs> Chain Revolution, available on Amazon. Um, and uh, we're very proud of that book. It talks about supply chains and pandemics too. Yeah. And um, the idea is, you know, a supply chain, it's a chain <laughs> and uh, you have all of these players, business partners, subcontractors, and then you have all these other things, planes, boats, trains, trucks. You have all these players, uh, intermediaries, payments, uh, uh, escrow agents, uh, lawyers, uh, government. Layers and layers of complexity. Yeah. 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 And then you have all of these systems, EDI and, uh, you know, traditionally RP systems, and there's a lot of <laughs> still faxes flying around and paper. <laughs> Excel and, spreadsheets. Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, where there are dueling versions of the truth, um, mm. dueling spreadsheets, you know. Um, there's no single version uh, of the, the truth. And, uh, you know, our, our friends at FedEx, they're a member of the Blockchain Research Institute. And one guy was describing often the way they know what's in a railway car is you go into the car and you look up and there's a little box that has a piece of paper saying what's in the car. <laughs> and, um, and imagine if all of that were what we call in the book, a mm. shared network state. Mm. You, would, you could have a single version of the truth. You can have real-time transactions. You could have micro payments for tiny little things. You could uh, have smart payments through smart contracts. Mm. You know, the notion of when money becoming mm. smart. 
the analogy that I use for that is you, you send your kid off to university and you hope he spends the money you gave him on books and tuition and not in the bar. Mm. And uh, well, if you could pay him with smart money, he goes into the bar, orders a caparina, and the 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 money says, "Sorry, Johnny, I don't do caparinas. I only <laughs> do books and tuition." And uh, so, a, a real time network. We we call this in the book an asset chain. Yeah. So supply yeah. chains can be asset chains and transform the movement of assets through creating this shared network state. I can't imagine a, a bigger change actually in our economy than what supply chains are beginning to go through. And, and well, visibility, the possibility of visibility, you know, something that supply chain leaders, the holy grail, right? Getting end-to-end -end visibility. It, yeah. it seems like blockchain's perfect for that. Well, and transparency, this is another book I wrote with terrible timing. It was in 2002. Yeah. Um, but it was a book about transparency and it created the idea of radical openness and, and just how transparency is such a powerful force. And the way that, that we came about this was by studying the impact of the internet on supply chains. And we noticed that when you increase the transparency in a supply chain, a lot of good things happen. The metabolism went up, the number of law lawyers and legal activities uh, went down, the errors went down, uh, the speed of the thing sped up. That was just with information. Now imagine digitizing all of these assets or having a digital representation of these assets, mm. how that could just explode. Yeah. And, and, and give true real-time visibility where everyone's seeing exactly what's going on at the same time. Extraordinary stuff. The possibilities are pretty extraordinary. Um, yeah. Who's doing it well, you think, right now? Who, who is currently using blockchain in their supply chains well, and how are they using it? Well, some of the real pioneers in this is um, uh, the uh, uh, companies like Walmart that uh, were part of, uh, are part of what's called the IBM Food Trust that's turning the movement of, of perishable foods, uh, transforming that onto supply chains. So it used to be there was a problem with an avocado where somebody gets poisoned. Um, and it would take them months to figure out what happened. Now they can uh, do that in 20 seconds um, if there's a, a problem with something. Um, Maersk was a really big one too. And um, uh, still today uses its, uh, these are not pilots, these are operational systems. And uh, it has what's called its trade lens uh, system where uh, the way that they think about all of this is that an ecosystem. So mm -hmm. th this is, you know, obvious everyone who's listening to this into supply chains know that you have to change the ecosystem and, and you, you can't just change your business. And I'll just do an aside on that. Um, our, our friends at uh, Federal Express, Rob Carter is the CIO there. And uh, the term they use is that blockchain is a team sport. And um, it was, uh, Robert says, back in the day, you know, and he's been the CIO there for over two decades, we come up with some new system. Uh, we put a FedEx logo on it. We take it to market. And all of a sudden, you've changed the whole industry. Today, you can't do that. He says, we need to transform the way that logistics is done. Um, the way that assets uh, move around to do that. We not only need 
uh, an ecosystem of all of our, our, our partners and all the shippers and freight forwarders and ports and terminals and, uh, you know, uh, uh, intermodal operators and government authorities and custom brokers and all, all the rest of that. We need to change our, uh, to have our competitors involved as well. And that's the way that Maersk uh, thinks about it, uh, you know, including uh, ocean carriers and so on. And then the, the second thing is they also think about um, platform and they need to have a, an open uh, platform and they use um, uh, uh, Hyperledger to be able uh, to do this. And that enables everybody in this treaty to share, um, you know, to share information and to collaborate securely. Then they need a set of app, apps mm -hmm. and uh, in, they've created this open marketplace with applications that allows um, a trade lens partners and also other partners to uh, publish fit for a purpose um, uh, services that are top of the trade lens uh, platform. And this basically enables supply chain innovation and value creation. And uh, they've been a great company doing that. I mean, we're studying hundreds of these at, at the Blockchain uh, Research Institute. And um, there've been all kinds of really great ones. FedEx, of course, is um, doing wonderfully. Fred Smith, the, the legendary founder, really, of FedEx and, and the executive chairman. Uh, I interviewed him in front of uh, an audience of thousands of people mm -hmm. at, um, at Consensus a few years ago. And he said, you know, um, we rebuilt this industry around the idea of knowing the chain of custody. And now we're going to do it again, where we'll not only know where a thing is, but we'll know about a thing. And, you know, it could be its temperature or, or, or its, uh, its uh, stat, uh, legal status or how it's moving around a border or even, you know, Homeland Security super interested in things mm -hmm. moving around mm -hmm. because, you know, it's not going to be long before you can ha have a nuclear, a thermal mm -hmm. nuclear device in a box this big. So um, that's, that's the commitment of FedEx to be able to do this. So it's pretty, it sounds pretty exciting that you're probably discovering new ways that it's being used every day and new exciting case studies every day, I bet. Well, yeah, and for sure, the pandemic has stimulated a lot of this. I mean, yeah. uh, what, what an unbelievable failure. How is it for us, of our supply chains? How is it possible that in the early days we couldn't get PPEs to frontline yes. work? You know? And then to your point around transparency, why do people hoard? Mm. Um, well, part of it has to do with fear and part of it has to do with lack of transparency. If you know that the supply chain is producing lots of toilet paper and there's some coming tomorrow, you're not going to go buy three years of it. Yeah. So, um, but our current systems, only blockchain could enable that kind of transparency. So and confidence. Would, it, it could give confidence. Yeah. Exactly. So you go into a store and and um, you you buy or you you see that more they're out they're out of toilet paper. There's just a little bit left. Rather than buying it all, you might look at your mobile device and see, okay, well, there's a bunch coming. I'll buy all I need for the next couple of weeks, and mm. next time I'm back here, I'll get some more because it's going to be there. And you have cryptographic proof. So, uh, total confidence that that's going to be able to occur. 
and therefore don't wreak havoc with supply and demand and inventory and bullwhip effects and all that stuff if you yeah. actually have visibility. Sure. And then imagine, you know, uh, why can't we 3D print um, ventilators? Mm-hmm. And um, they would manufacture parts and then shipping to, uh, it to the Boeing factory. And then using a supply chain, they are able to 3D print these parts and in the Boeing factory and have all the transactions and visibility managed through, through supply chain, uh, through blockchain. So these are some pretty big transformations that are underway and the opportunities are, are pretty much endless. And like you said before, these are actual things that are happening now, not some sort of future looking potential trials. You know, this is in operational. It's, and it's so true that people say, well, blockchain, it's all hype. Nothing really happening. Stuff it's is uneven. happening. It's uneven, mm-hmm. you know, and it's taking a while. And this is going to take a while. You know, you think about the Internet of Information. You can get up a website on Shopify in two days and you're into business. Mm. Because it's about information. Bada yeah. bada bing. Can we talk a little bit about the fear that people have around blockchain, cryptocurrency? seems to be that the fact that there's no official regulatory body behind its use. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I think that, and there are different levels of comprehension uh, within those bodies about what's going on. Now, we just wrote a big report for Joe Biden and uh, Kamala Harris, and it's um, right there on our website, and we made it publicly available at blockchainresearchinstitute.org. And um, where we argue that the regulatory uh, environment right now is a big impediment to a lot of this proceeding. And we go through in a very detailed way, showing here are all the regulations that are problematic. And, and uh, we call for a moratorium on any further draconian changes mm-hmm. until there's been a full consultative process and where people can get up to speed. Now, there's lots of good news there, too. You now have Gary Gensler, uh, who's the head of the SEC who's um, someone who is very knowledgeable about this whole space, who taught a whole blockchain course at MIT, I know, because they used our Chinese mm-hmm. government clamping down on, on uh, uh, Bitcoin uh, mining, and they're threatened by, by Bitcoin, which is totally absurd because Bitcoin's hardly going to replace the RMB as the currency of, of uh, China. So, this is the again the problem of paradigms. We have this new innovation bumping up against an old structure and systems and laws and so on. The first thing that the government leaders and regulators need to do is just to get themselves educated and to mm-hmm. try and understand what this is really all about. And when you do that, you discover all kinds of things like you know what it's. Uh, it's just not true that Bitcoin is primarily used by criminals, as Janet mm-hmm. Yellen just said, or that's the main use. Um, and now I may have it's lack of understanding. It's lack yeah. of understanding, isn't it? Yeah. And the main, the the, the actual main um, uh, means of exchange for criminals is called the U.S. dollar, and it comes in the form of cash. Mm-hmm. And uh, cash is the foundation of the drug industry, of organized crime. Tax and you don't see anyone, you don't see anyone pull, saying, pull a, put a stop to that. Let's put a stop to the U.S. cash. Or, or the ransomware uh, this mm-hmm. week. Um, that For the pipeline, used, yeah. 
for, for the pipeline. So you've got some guy in the Wall Street Journal calling for banning Bitcoin. Well, what else was used for that ransomware attack? Did they use the internet? Was there a telephone? Uh, involved was, you know, was, was there a wireless system? Um, so, and the fact of the matter is that, that smart law enforcement agencies love Bitcoin because if you and I do a transaction, that's anonymous, but we leave metadata and they can analyze the metadata. It's way better than cash uh, to be able to, to catch the bad guys. So it's again, kind of- there's lack of knowledge about this. Well, it's, it's kind of like, I'm, you know, I read somewhere when the locomotive first came out, people were, there were scientific reports and journalists and people writing books about how the human body couldn't travel at, you know, whatever, 40 miles an hour and we were going to explode or something and there was fear mongering. Uh, but eventually innovation won through, you know, came through and it won. So well, hopefully I've the same thing. Now several generations of technology. Uh, yeah. PCs were going to be a terrible thing. Yeah. Um, you know, the internet itself, I, I gave hundreds of speeches where in the audience, people would say, well, what about this? And the internet is eating the neocortex of youth today. That was Robert Bly in the civil rights society <laughs> 30 years ago. So um, anyway. It is. Anyway, well, let's look at the future. Let's take a, take a moment to look into the future. Do you think blockchain uh, has the potential to become one of those, you know, critical technology that supply chain leaders can't imagine being without, or uh, or is it going to be one of those nice to have things? No, all supply chains will run on blockchain, and um, so now's the time to get on that. Um, now you can't do it by yourself, uh, as uh, Rob Carter says. Block at FedEx, blockchain is a team sport, but. Yeah. Um, any company that has a supply chain, which is a lot of companies. I mean, if you have it, it came from a supply chain. And um, uh, any company um, needs to start to get educated, needs to start to, uh, to experiment with, embrace this technology, but they also need to join the important um, uh, industry associations like BITA, Blockchain and Transportation Alliance. This is an important organization. Um, and there, there are all kinds of them that we affiliate with and try and support and help at the Blockchain Research Institute. And we'd encourage, uh, of course, um, any company to join with us. Um, and we think that we can probably save them a couple of years and millions of dollars in moving in this uh, direction, but also keeping them out of trouble as well, because there are lots of dumb things that you can do that we know are dumb. So give us the website again, please, Don, for the Blockchain Research Institute. Well, it's pretty easy. You just said it, blockchainresearchinstitute.org. And um, uh, anyone can uh, contact uh, me uh, through info at blockchainresearchinstitute.org. And um, at the website, a lot of this stuff is uh, publicly available. And we also, gee, I should have a copy here on my desk. I don't see it, of Supply Chain Revolution. But that well, I'm just going to say, uh, Supply Chain Revolution, how blockchain technology is transforming the digital flow of assets. Look it up. It's being sold at uh, all bookstores near you. So yeah. uh, we'll, definitely, we'll definitely put a link or something so that way people can, can access that too. Um, yeah, I mean, that's the, rather than spending $150,000 to join the BRI, which you should do if you're a big company, 
you can spend 20 bucks. <laughs> you get a lot of great insights as a first step. Don, thank you so much. Appreciate you being here and sharing your insight. Great. Thanks for the good conversation. Thank you. For those of you watching at home, we'll catch you at the next one. Thank you. Thanks for joining us today at Transform Talks. I hope you found this valuable. In the meantime, don't forget to subscribe, comment, and share. I'll see you at the next one.